Hello, hello. Hi. Welcome, everyone, to the Mother Days. I am one of your hosts, Sarah Wright Olson. And I'm Teresa Palmer. How's it going? How's it going? Um, we are so excited today, you guys. We're doing a solo episode because we've gotten so many amazing questions, DMs, messages to our email address um, asking about this topic breastfeeding so um which we, we know a lot about <laughs> <laughs> we are going to talk a lot about boobies today so and my boobies today are mm-hmm. feeling very floppy they're very um down south um as you can see anyone watching like what is going on i need a I bra don't i don't know I'm, i mean in this oh Oh, and you so, have yeah. a bra. I on you honestly, you just said I need a bra, and then you pulled that down. And I this swear is to God, not a bra. I thought, like, what is it? I can't see it really because it's a little pixelated. It's the you know that amazing Bimbi and Roy. Oh, it's more like I a bather top. Yes, yes, yes. Which zero support. Very cute. <laughs> Ever since I started breastfeeding, I've lived in basically training bras because it's just <laughs> so much more comfortable than putting anything with structure or wires involved. Like it's I'm, so true. I buy training bras for teenagers online. <laughs> But then they're just like floppy jalopies all day, every day. Yes, that's true. I, that's very true. I heard a rumor one time that French, and this is probably very not true, but for any French women out there, please tell me if this is true. I heard a rumor that French women sleep in bras and that what? keeps their, yeah, boobs from sagging down. Is that true? That's probably not true. Please tell us. <laughs> That's amazing because mm. I can't imagine being comfortable at all wearing a bra. It's the first In thing that comes off. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And the French are actually like so cool that I bet you they don't even care. They could they've got, probably they've give. They've got the tips. They've got the tricks. They've they got give the tips. No, they give no shits about their, yeah, about where, what level their <laughs> breasts are. Or well, they give shits <laughs> about their too. tips. <laughs> or maybe they do give shits about their tits. <laughs> they give shits about their tits. Oh my gosh, care that, about should my that be one of? <laughs> should that be on a water bottle from the Mother Day? Should it say like, yes. "Give shits about your tits"? Oh my god, <laughs> go get I a breast it. exam. <laughs> do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table, settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Think of all that cash back on those overpriced kombuchas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cash back credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cash back? Uh, splurge on some fancy champagne with the gals or order fine dining to the house and watch a good true crime doco. Whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. So 
So, guys, we have listened to you um, asking us questions. So I'm just going to rapid fire a few questions here. This is from Cosette. Can you please do an episode where you discuss all things breastfeeding, getting pregnant while breastfeeding, being pregnant while breastfeeding, and tandem feeding? Thanks. Um, And then I have another one here from somebody who's asking, this is from Danielle, and she's asking about conceiving while you're breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have one here from Jessica who said, as a breastfeeding mom, did either of you experience postpartum hair loss or shedding? Mm -hmm. Um, These are all really great, great, great questions. and then we have, oh, somebody else really loved the manifesting episode. Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys loved that episode. We were looking at little charty McCharty's today, and I was like, yeah, that episode is right on up there. That makes me so happy because we actually have another um, person who is like an expert manifester who we're going to bring on, and it's kind of a whole other way to look at manifestation. And I'm really excited that you guys love it so much because we are pumped to bring on um, our next guest. So um, this next person, Lily Ray, says, um, how do you fall pregnant again while breastfeeding? Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to jump into all these things. Let's jump into all the things. Well, hey, I did a funny little calculation today which was to see how long I have been breastfeeding for since I first started way back on the 17th of February, 2014. So today, drum roll, it is day 3,190 of breastfeeding straight in a row without a break. Wow. I honestly, I, I do not know how you do that. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm like, what? I think I would not know. I feel like five years from now when maybe I've finished my breastfeeding journey, I'll still be sort of whipping the boob out at random times during the day and people are like, yeah. what? what's happening? She's flashing everyone. And I'm just so used mm-hmm. to <laughs> the amount of people who have seen my nipples in this land. It's oh out of control. God. And I just don't care anymore. I will whip it out in front of anyone. And I, it's so funny, isn't it, when you see their eyes quickly divert and people get really awkward. Oh, oh, <laughs> very uncomfortable. Yes, that's so true. I mean, people get really uncomfortable. Um, I mean, I think it used to be worse than what it is now. Like, you yeah. know, I remember when I first started breastfeeding Wyatt, like people would actually say stuff to us and like – you know, I would always have someone suggesting, oh, do you want me to get you like a blanket to cover up? And I'm like, no, he's a tiny heater and he will literally cry and bite me if <laughs> if I cover him up. So no. And why does my, why does like part of my boob being out even matter? Like who cares? There's such a double standard, isn't there? Because yeah. like yeah. we see so many images and we celebrate breasts and we see like girls wearing like little, you know, nipple covers and their whole breasts are out. You don't see a ton when you're breastfeeding anyway. I mean, you see <laughs> you're you don't typically just you're not looking at a full breast with the areola mm-hmm. and milk spurting out, but even if you are, that's a beautiful thing. I yeah. actually have been attacked by a person while breastfeeding. That's and right. I and it's so wild. I was like, what even is going on? I had a 12-day-old baby. I think she was 12 days old. It was poet we were 
in a hotel in Las Vegas. I was going to say you were in Vegas. I was in Vegas. So random, I know, guys. Also, it's Vegas. There's lots of skin. People are wearing whatever the hell they want. Everyone feels liberated in their choices of clothes. And this person came up to me. I was in a um, hotel in the lobby sitting on a bench breastfeeding. And this guy, they were both quite intoxicated. It was a husband Mm. and wife came up to me and I was there with the boys were sort of running around playing and Mark had gone to an ATM. We were on a road trip. That's why we're in Vegas. We went, I mean, Vegas is great, but we weren't just chilling in Vegas. We were there for 24 hours on this road trip coming back to LA. And this guy comes up to my face. I'm saying maybe two inches away from my face. And he was like, you don't belong here. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was where like, do I, where do I belong? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to show what you mean. He was like, that is disgusting. And she was like, you're gross. Get out of here. Oh, my God. Filth. Filth. So they start fully attacking me right by Jeez. my face. The adrenaline's pumping. I'm shaking. My baby comes off the breast. She's crying. The kids are just stone cold like white face staring at mom like what just happened to my mom what's going on Bodhi took off running looking for dad and they laughed and walked out sort of drunkenly exited the hotel and um my husband came back I was sort of shocked I kind of I got up I didn't know what to do I went to follow them I Went back with the kids. I just, and people saw it and someone came up to me and was being so sweet. Like, are you okay? That was horrible. It's disgusting. They're drunk, you know, whatever. And um, I was so shell-shocked in the moment that I didn't really have words. Everything kind of escaped me. And then Mark came over and I was like, babe, this thing just happened to me. These people just yelled oh at gosh. me in my face and I'm breastfeeding and I, 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 I didn't know what to do. I, he's like, what did you say back? And I was like, I didn't really say anything back. I was just so taken aback and nervous and I just didn't really know what to do. Mark. Lost it. I see his little, the flicker in the eyes when it happens, when the anger uh, comes in. Yes. He did the funniest thing. He was wearing his hat, his cap forwards. <laughs> He like oh my God. spun his cap backwards <laughs> and just took off into the car park. Where are they? Where are they? And I was like, Did he find them? He found them. I was like, uh-uh. they're, they're over there. They're over in the corner. They're in the back corner. And I was pointing at them and I didn't care. I was so on board with his anger, which by the way, oh, yeah. <laughs> looking back, I maybe should have calmed down. My more colli- like conscious minded self would have been oh like, let's just send them love. Let's just feel sorry for them. They're obviously Oof. in a place of hurt. No, I was like, yeah, go get them, babe. <laughs> um, and he stormed across and he was like, do you have a problem with my wife breastfeeding? And the guy's like, what? And they were, it was really funny watching them squirm. I know it's kind so of awful, they, but. Like, they weren't so uh, hyped up on their whole no, thing when he, no. oh, they were like All scared of, of sudden, that mark. <laughs> totally. Because he came at them with such energy and he was like, yes. no, seriously, I want to know. What is your problem? I'd really like to break this down with both of you. What is your actual problem with my wife breastfeeding our newborn daughter? And she was like, I, I just feel that there could be a more p- private. And then the guy was like, I just, you know, I'm sorry, man. I, it was out of line. I don't know why. We-. And then she was still trying to 
say why she thought it was inappropriate and Mark she was just up. schooled them. She really was sobering <laughs> up. I mean, he made them sober up real quick. Um, she was like, oh. But it was so funny because he wouldn't let it go. He was like, no, I just really am genuinely mm-hmm. curious. What yeah. is going on? How? What makes you think you can go up to a woman and say that and be that aggressive to someone who's breastfeeding a little baby? That's right. I kept thinking in the moment, Imagine, imagine if I was a brand new mummy and this was my first Mm. time feeling confident, being outside of the house, breastfeeding. And what if I didn't have the perfect latch with my daughter and I was really struggling publicly to get that latch? And what, like, imagine if I was in that postpartum fog of just feeling vulnerable about the whole experience and then I was attacked in that way. That That could be enough to stop a woman from trying again, to stop a woman from breastfeeding. Maybe she says, you know what, this is too hard. That felt too confronting. That was scary. I'm going to give up. And thank God this is my third baby and I'd Mm -hmm. (laughs) been in the innings for a long, long, long time that it didn't rattle me or affect my relationship with my baby. Mm -hmm. But how many other women could that have affected in a way where they would just give up? Or they would feel so uncomfortable breastfeeding in public. It made me feel really sad. But I hope that those people learn a lesson. I mean, who knows? Maybe not. And I just hope it means that in the future, those same people won't ever feel the need to go up to someone nursing their child in public. Yeah, I mean, it's just such a silly thing. Like, you know, I, I just very strongly believe that no matter how you feed your baby, if you're bottle feeding, if you're formula feeding, if you're goat milk and supplement feeding, if you're feeding with your mother's milk, breastfeeding or pumping, whatever you're doing, like however you're feeding your baby, like first of all, it's your decision. It's your choice. And and also um, you're just doing the best that you can, right? And so when you see any person out in the world, it's like um, I think something that happened a lot when I was first becoming a mom was just watching the um the constant judgment that sort of happens like you see new parents or you see people who are like oh I've been down that road and this is and people love to lean into the negativity and I think that's something Mm -hmm. that you and I have talked about a lot which is that they love to tell you all the things that went wrong for them instead of like encouraging you with the positive and then also giving you yeah. like, hey, these are little tips or things to look out for. Yeah, like horror birth stories. Yeah, horror birth stories. Oh, like another one I heard is if you pat your baby down to sleep, you're creating bad habits. Or if you sleep with your baby, that's a bad habit. They'll never get out of the bed. Mm. Guess what? I've co-slept with all my babies and – apart from the last one, um, they were all out of my bed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And also you're, you know, when you see somebody out in the world, a mom trying to feed her baby, like that should just be a beautiful thing, no matter how she's doing it, right? It's like a mom or a dad um, and support it. And so it is sad that that people try to enter, like, I don't know, what is it? It's project their views or project how they're feeling Mm -hmm. or their hurt or their lack or whatever it is onto someone else. I mean, those two were a couple of drunk idiots, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it does cause an effect on people. um, And you feel it as a parent, you're already like 
you know, especially as a new parent, you're already kind of judging yourself. You're like, am I doing okay? Like what's, mm-hmm. you know, the baby's not really latching very well or um, is my milk enough? And then that one thing, that one. Oh, my nipples are sore and they're cracked. Yes, that one thing can really, and you're sleep deprived too, by the way. But that one thing can really like set you off. So anyway, that's such a crazy story that that happened to you. Oh, so crazy. Um, so crazy. Yeah, that's bananas. All right. As you guys know, we are we are busy mums. We are dog mums, business mums, performance mums, school board mums. Life gets hectic. That's why we rely on our tried and tested go-tos to alleviate some of the chaos. NerdWallet helps you by maximizing your everyday spending, whether it's groceries for the week, drinks with friends, or a nice family meal. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. I mean, come on, guys. Think of all the cash back that you're going to get on those kombuchas, on those frozen pizzas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? Uh, A silent meditation retreat in Peru, a sweat lodge in India, whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all credit cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. All right, guys, we are a couple of tired mamas and all we do is crave a spa day and we deserve it. We always end up putting ourselves down the very bottom of our to-do list. We jump from one activity to the next and we're always meeting the needs of everyone else around us. I think it is time for a little self-pampering. This Mother's Day, make every day a spa day for all the moms in your life with Osea's Mega Moisture Duo. It's a value pack of two luxurious body care moisturizers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring Osea's signature, uplifting, all-natural citrusy scent. I think the greatest and most thoughtful gifts are the gifts that you actually like love yourself, something that you use on yourself. And I love using the Mega Moisture Duo. It makes my skin so glowy. It's like super hydrating, firming, smells amazing. When I give my kids a hug after a bath, they're like, you smell so good. (laughs) It is my absolute favorite gift and such a great gift for Mother's Day. Yes. Folding in self-care is a moment to practice mindfulness. It's self-love. It's compassion. And we all know if you run your battery flat, it's harder to recharge. A consistent body care routine promotes healthy, glowing skin and also supports your mental health. 
Treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOTHERDAYS at OSEAMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOTHERDAYS for 10% off. I love what you said about how when you first became a mom, how people would offer you the blankets because my mom (sighs) would do that too. Like she would, I'd be breastfeeding at, I remember specifically I was at Cafe Gratitude breastfeeding my baby (laughs) and my mom was trying to (laughs) hand me the like spit up blanket, was sort of trying to cover me and I was like, Mom, he hates that. He keeps ripping it down. He stops yes. breastfeeding the moment I try and cover him up. And I initially, I think I did sort of try for the first few weeks to yeah, kind of so did put I. a blanket over, mm-hmm. uh, but my baby wasn't having any of it. And I was like, no, this is interfering with my breastfeeding. I am taking this blanket off. And please, Mom, I totally get why, you know, you want to keep my modesty intact, but... <laughs> I mean, this ship's this, this ship sailed. I'm, I'm ship out of here. Sailed. It really has. <laughs> There's some versions of um, birth that definitely makes you look at like your modesty a little bit differently. <laughs> when you're like, oh, well, no. I did take a big poo on my living room floor. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know what's interesting here is that Therese and I have both breastfed our kids and um, we both have really different stories and different stories of actually getting pregnant again after, um, you know, breastfeeding or while still breastfeeding or whatever that is. So, um, you know, for, for me, I kind of discovered about myself that um, when I'm breastfeeding, I and maybe this isn't always true, but it has been true for all my um, babies after Wyatt, I could not get pregnant again until I stopped breastfeeding. Now, for some people, they can totally get pregnant again while breastfeeding. Um, They can also continue to breastfeed throughout their pregnancy and then tandem breastfeed their babies. I'm not one of those people. So um, it either has to do with some sort of depletion that I was already experiencing. It has to do with um, I don't know, like my my body or however it works, it needs to stop that one thing, reset, and then I could get pregnant again. So when I was trying to get pregnant with Esme, I was still nursing Wyatt and um, I was taking supplements. I was doing everything that I could. And I was like, well, I'll just keep – I wanted to keep breastfeeding and then maybe do tandem breastfeeding He was um, close to two years old at this point. And then I was like, well, I guess I'll try weaning him and see if I can just get it down to like one nursing session a day. And so all those months I had been like trying to get pregnant. And then the month that I was like, okay, I have to cut this off. And I stopped breastfeeding Wyatt. And um, a month later I got pregnant with Esme. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So uh, I don't know what that was, but I sort of in my brain was like, well, that has to mean something, right? And then the same thing happened with Esme is like right after I was done um, breastfeeding her, then I got pregnant again. I have two questions for you. So were you 
actively having a period at this point. So had your periods returned, so you obviously you believed you were ovulating and able to get pregnant or did you have no periods? So that's a great question. I have had, I have gotten my period at about six weeks postpartum every single time, <gasps> except for, yeah, except for um, when, I think it was, except for with winter. With winter, I um, had a little bit of a break. I think I had a few months before I got my period. But um, the other two, it was exactly like clockwork, six weeks postpartum. My bleeding was like finally done with pregnancy after having the baby, after birth. And then um, all of a sudden it was like bleeding again. I was like, oh my gosh, am I doing too much? Like, why am I bleeding again? And then, and then I was like, wow, that was, that was exactly seven days. And of course, like clockwork, oh. 28 days later. And I, so my body is actually set up to get pregnant immediately. It's just that for some reason I can't support yes. a pregnancy um, because even with when I got pregnant after having um, after getting after being done with breastfeeding Esme, I got pregnant and I had just like gotten a colonoscopy and I was going through all of this weird. Um, this was like right around the time that I had been trying to get pregnant. I got a colonoscopy because I. Um, wanted to make sure like everything was good. And anyway, simultaneously is like having this colonoscopy, going through all this super dehydration. Then I had these like dizzy spells and stuff like that after words for like two weeks. I found out I was pregnant and I was like, whoa, okay. So I'm pregnant. So I didn't realize it. And I'd only just stopped breastfeeding Esme. And then um, it actually turned out that um, I had a pregnancy loss. And so yeah. I feel like what happened is my body just wasn't able to support a baby at that time. Mm -hmm. Like it was just depleted from the colonoscopy. So like I had just finished breastfeeding Esme. It was like, boom, like within a week, you know, I'm pregnant. And then my body was like, no, we're not ready. And then um, after my pregnancy loss, I did all this work to sort of help build and rebuild my system and nourish my body. And then a month later, I was so blessed to be pregnant again with winter. Um, but yeah, so that's unbelievable. So obviously your body is like, you know what, I need to be at my peak of health. I can't be depleted. And then when you're there, you can get pregnant. That is so interesting. So I am very different to that in that I don't get my periods back for so long. I still now, 14 months postpartum, zero period. In fact, I have taken pregnancy tests for the last few months. I am not trying to get pregnant. In an ideal world, I would not be pregnant for a number of years. Um, this is a season of work for me, season of work and raising my babies. So I keep like going and being like, oh God, how do we get pregnant? Like what? Did we get pregnant? No, I just do not have my period back. And the same thing happened with Bodhi. 14 months postpartum, I got my period back finally. With Forrest, it was eight months postpartum. And Jeez. then with Poet, I can't quite remember, but I think it was around the one-year mark. And now with Prairie, it's been 14 months postpartum. So I'm not having any periods at all, which is 
just so wild. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I, like you, did struggle to get pregnant. Um, I really wanted my babies close in age. And I remember when um, Bodie, I wanted to start trying when Bodie was about nine, 10 months old. And I did start trying. And uh, I just could not get pregnant. Um, and eventually I went to a doctor and she was like, look, you're just not ovulating. This is what you can do to get your period back. Um, have some longer breastfeeding breaks during the day. So I would sort of distract him during the day when he got to around a year and a half and, you know, we stretch it out to about six hours. And eventually my period came back. So here I was thinking I was ovulating much like you, obviously, Sarah, mm-hmm. I mean, we're ovulating our periods back. But I just could not get pregnant and I was actively trying with Bodie, um, I would say from about 14 months. The moment my period returned, I was like, right, I am on, I'm doing all the herbs, <laughs> I'm so excited, like here we go, we're going to have these babies. Like I wanted two under two <laughs> and then it just did not happen. Um, I eventually got pregnant um, when Bodie was about 18 months old, which is funny the age gap would have been about two years, four months. But like you, Sarah, I had a pregnancy loss. But then I don't know if you remember this, Sarah, I blamed my loss on breastfeeding. I was like, mm. oh, my gosh, it was because I was breastfeeding. I was so depleted. Um, I mm. was breastfeeding too much and, you know, it caused the pregnancy loss. And now that I'm older and wiser and I've learned more about it, I know that that was not <laughs> the reason I had a pregnancy loss. And I just happened to be one of the 25% um, of pregnancies that end in pregnancy loss. So mm. I, um, it was quite, I think it was just, yeah, it was quite the journey. I eventually ended up seeing I had what's called secondary amenorrhea for a long period of time. And then I could not get pregnant. Um, So then I had sec, I was dubbed with, as a woman who had secondary infertility, which is where you've had a baby and you had no fertility issues and then you can't get pregnant again. So I ended up at a fertility specialist. And when Bodie was about two, I'd been trying for about eight months to get pregnant. The doctor was like, he took all my bloods and said, your prolactin levels are through the roof this is why you're not getting pregnant. It's because the prolactin, which is, you know, the milk making hormone is so high. You're breastfeeding. There's, you don't even need to be in this office. Like, please just, if you really want to get pregnant, night wean him or day wean him and then you'll get yeah. pregnant. So, yeah. so he said for me, my magic number was eight. Try and not breastfeed for eight hours. Now you can do that at nighttime. You can do it during the day. And at that point he was, two years old. So I thought, oh, it might be easier to distract him during the day. So I just won't breastfeed for eight hours. And I did it for about three weeks. And at the same time, I went and got, it's called an HSG. Oh my gosh. I remember this. Which is basically, it's an x-ray procedure where they kind of shoot ink up into your fallopian tubes to make sure that everything's clear and clean and A lot of women anecdotally say that after they get an HSG procedure done that they're suddenly way more fertile and they get pregnant within three months of that procedure. So I had been like deep in the Google and I'd been reading the forums and I was like, I'm just going to get this done. So I got that done. I stopped breastfeeding for eight hours and then 
the other, the third component of this was I let go of the obsession. So I was so focused, so obsessed to the point where it was really unhealthy for our relationship. Mm. I would cry every time there was, you know, I was peeing on a stick and it was, I'd be looking for the squinter. I'd be looking for that second line and it was never there. And I would just spiral into this depression and I was going like, I was living my life in these two week increments, like two weeks until I can start trying for the for the baby, then two weeks until I can test and then two weeks again. And it was just so unhealthy. I was triggered by Mm -hmm. every pregnant person. And so that month I was like, I'm done. I'm going to let go of my obsession. I'm going to really just be present in the fact that I have this beautiful little boy and he's so healthy and I'm obsessed with him and I love being a mum, and I don't need anything else. So the like one, two, three punch, I think is what helped us. And then we got pregnant that month with Forrest. Wow. Wow. And that, I mean, that is such a beautiful story to share because I do think that um, it's just so different for everyone. Like every single person who's like trying to get pregnant or who's breastfeeding or whatever it is it's just different and so you can try a few different things but there's a mental aspect to it where we really put ourselves into these places of like you know and we all or at least me and you like we do it our friends have done it like we have put ourselves into this okay this is I'm ovulating I'm peeing on this thing that's telling me I'm ovulating now I'm gonna drink this Chinese tea and I'm gonna go get acupuncture and I'm gonna try this I'm gonna try that I'm supposed to put my legs in the air I mean how many times do we put our legs in the air when we were first trying to get pregnant it was like oh my round god what? 20 minutes like a, put the pillow yeah. <laughs> Mark's carrying you upside down like down the stairs afterwards like <laughs> trying to put you in bed like Oh I mean, God. there's just so many funny things that we um, did uh, when, you know, along the beginning of the journey. And I think it's good just to for everybody who's listening or has been struggling or whatever it is, like if you're trying to get pregnant again um, and you're breastfeeding, there's lots of different things to try. And we talk about some of those in our book. We have a whole section on breastfeeding, on fertility and um, – but I mean, for for Teresa and I, like our stories are so different. We each have multiple kids, um, but we had our own and every pregnancy was different. Every single time mm-hmm. that we got pregnant, it happened kind of in a different way. There was more for me. There were like more years in between. And some of that's by choice. And some of it was by the fact that I just like it wasn't time. And um, I wasn't able and to get pregnant. And you also wanted or- to see out your breastfeeding journey with your babies too. I did. Yeah, I definitely yeah. did. So there's more um, spacing, spacing with that. And so can you talk a little bit about your tandem breastfeeding journey and just how that is? Because mm-hmm. I think it's really fascinating and we definitely had somebody who asked about it. But, um, you know, for for me, like that – I was so depleted, especially with my second baby, um, breastfeeding her. She was always wanting to breastfeed. She was breastfeeding on demand. She ate a lot of food too. I mean, it was like, but she just couldn't get enough and loved her time on the boob and having milkies and then also at nighttime. And I, mm-hmm. I, I definitely struggled sometimes with just feeling like I, I just needed my 
body back, you know, like not mm-hmm. not my body shape or anything, but I just needed to like feel like, okay, this is my section. It was yours Like again. I don't need someone, yeah, <laughs> I don't need someone like pulling at me in the middle of the night constantly or during the day and it just felt just a little aggressive. And so um, I, when I say that like, wow, it's amazing to me that you're able to do this for so long, like I really appreciate the break in between um, so I'm curious, tell us about your tandem breastfeeding journey. Yeah. Um, there's actually a video, which I will post when this comes out where Mark's, um, or maybe I did post it for the uh, birth episode, but Mark comes around and films the very first yes. time that I tandem breastfeeding right. and uh. he's like, this is your dream. Here it is right here. Your dream. And I think um, it it stemmed from reading all the Ina Mae Gaskin books and seeing imagery of yeah. like women with uh, a child on each breast and tandem and them holding hands. And it was just something I always envisioned for myself. And yeah. I, um, I read like the adventures in tandem breastfeeding and I'm a part of this tandem breastfeeding private group on Facebook. So I felt quite equipped with the knowledge on how to do it. Um, Although now I would say uh, my fourth go around, um, I'm way less strategic about it. When I first started, it was like baby on the left boob first and then the other (laughs) older baby comes on and then you switch and you're, I was taking note a little bit more of like which breast to put forest on first and the different type of fattiness in the milk and but now I'm like much less calculated when it comes to tandem nursing but yeah I um I thought it was such a beautiful gentle way to transition Bodhi into the role of big brother um I didn't Mm. I think what you did was so wonderful Sarah because you got to finish organically your nursing journey with your baby and then you had the new baby and your child had time to process like, oh, there's another little person coming. And I think for me, it kind of got to the point where I was like, oh, he was three. No, he was two years, nine months when Forrest was born. Mm. And I, he wasn't done. He just was not done yet. And the idea of making him stop and then also having to transition him into being a big brother and then seeing that oh this little new brother this little new baby getting all this attention also gets to have breast milk and I don't I didn't want to deal with the ramifications of that and any sort of jealousy that would come up so I just thought all right I'm gonna see this out and see how long it goes and honestly it felt so natural, so normal. Um, at that point, my babes tend to, once they hit two and a half, they tend to slow down on the nursing. Uh, and I don't think that's your experience, is it? I, I know that mine, no. mine will breastfeed like <laughs> three times a day, but I think yours was still like fully on the boob like on All the nursing time. on demand as much as they wanted. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like every, so I feel like. For some reason, mine just slowed down. was like every 20 minutes. I was like, she was pulling my shirt up <laughs> or pulling my bra down. And I was oh like, this is so intense, you know? There is the best photo of you and Esme. And it always cracks me up because I'm like, you're such a rock star. You were at a Bayo event and it's a professional <laughs> photo <laughs> 
of you and Anna and you're holding this ginormous three-year-old child and she's just (laughs) sucking on the nip in these photos and I always laugh you have got to post it is brilliant I always laugh thinking about it because you were really great because I definitely like put some loving boundaries in with the older kids I was like right you can have it like in the morning yeah uh, for nap time during the day and then for bed but I would not I like once they got to about two and a half, I was like, oh, when the sun goes down, like mummy's yeah. milk machine stops. Um, <laughs> and but then they were like, wait, but what about, you know, the what? newborn? And I was like, it's so crazy. Our boobs are so ingenious that they actually know <laughs> that the baby still needs nighttime milky, but they yeah. the boobies do know that the older kids don't need milkies at nighttime. So I think it wasn't so hard, the tandem nursing journey, because I was probably only nursing the older ones three times a day. I think that's a really good thing to point out is that you put boundaries in place. So for anyone Mm -hmm. who's like wanting to tandem breastfeed and you're worried about like what this is going to be like, you know, and the sort of depletion that comes from it or the just feeling like you're being pulled in two different directions or whatever that is. That is such a great tip is that you had some boundaries. You had language that you used Mm -hmm. with the older kid and you discussed like what the newborn baby needs and how they can be a helper and show the baby how to nurse and like all that fun, all of that wonderful stuff, which just helps them to be a part of it and empowers them in that beautiful way. Yeah. And it's really helpful if you ever get mastitis in the first few weeks of having the new baby, like having that older one there. Do you remember that? Like it is... So it's like, oh my gosh, this is so helpful (laughs) because they can help clear it way faster. Yes. I remember hearing you say that because I was like, oh, I could really use that because in the first few weeks of breastfeeding, um, Esme, I think I got, um, well, I was really engorged and then I ended up getting the beginning of like what would have been mastitis, but it was just clogged ducts. But I, you know, had learned from my midwife how to really deeply, painfully, but deeply massage the boobs in a very hot shower. And so from the moment I my milk comes in, every single shower that I take and I try to take them often is I would be standing in there just like, like doing deep massage from like the outer rim of the boob all the way to the nipple and just really working through those kind of harder spots on the boob so that the clogged ducts are are being um you know moved through and you're kind of getting some of that milk out and then when you're breastfeeding your baby um as they're suckling you can kind of like press on those areas as well and keep massaging that down yes. so that they can sort of pull that through which is great and very helpful so i was like yeah it'd be nice if i could yeah, pop Wyatt exactly. back on <laughs> although i don't think he would have ever stopped <laughs> yeah. nursing <laughs> if i would have popped him back on it is funny though they do I think they really forget very quickly how to nurse because yeah. I do remember um, Forrest. So each of them nursed for a certain amount of time. Like Bodie, I think, took his last nurse um, when he was three. It was just after mm. his third birthday and he he thought he was done. And I was like, great. And then he never went back on. Forrest was uh, nursing with Poet Tandem and he was – 
closer. He was over three and a half when he was finished. But then I remember he kind of, he stopped for a few months and then was like, hang on, I'm not sure I'm ready. And so he went back on right before bed just to try and he couldn't do it. It had gone. He forgot. He forgot how to nurse. He didn't know how to do it anymore. And, And then I was like, oh, my gosh, buddy, like what a beautiful gift. Like your body is telling you that you've moved on from this stage in your life. Mm. You've moved on mm. and um, it's time for you to continue transitioning into being the bigger guy that you are. And he was so into it and he kept telling everyone, I forgot, I forgot, I don't need it anymore. <laughs> I've just forgotten how to do it. And I was like, yeah, great. It was like a really lovely way. Yeah, that that is such a beautiful thing and I have to say that even to this day, my daughter's six, and even to this day when she sees Winter Nurse, she's like, oh, I really miss that. I wish I was a baby and could do that again. And I was like, it's so funny because I breastfed her until she was three, Esme, and she misses it, still thinks about it, like talks to me about it on multiple occasions. Mm. Um, I'm always like, oh, I love breastfeeding you too. It was like so fun. But we can now we can snuggle and cuddle and we don't it doesn't have to we can mm-hmm. still be close to each other and I can give you heart hugs and like, you know, all all of these beautiful ways to just remind her that it doesn't have to be that, but it can be us cuddling and being together and having that connection. Yeah. She's such a kid that needs that close touch and connection. Um, well, since another one of our listeners asked about um, depletion and breastfeeding and hair loss and stuff like that. So do you yep. remember? Ex- yeah, yeah I was going to say, yes. So experiencing things like that. Yep. That I totally have gotten that too. And um, it does I'm come showing back. a bald patch, guys. <laughs> <laughs> showing a bald patch. <laughs> Uh, like at the front of my hair as well yeah. in the worst yes. spot. Yes. It's so, here we go. I'm showing everyone. You need to watch this part, guys, because you can see. Do you have any of this? I feel, yeah, this is all, there's just nothing here. It just went and it never came back. Well, obviously I haven't stopped breastfeeding, so we'll see what happens. When you're pregnant, you're taking prenatal vitamins and um, your hair is growing and your nails are growing. But then um, after you have your baby, a lot of times your hair starts to, you lose some hair and then your nails get a little brittle again (laughs) and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Or you bite them like me. (laughs) Or you bite them like us. (laughs) Part of that depletion is just the fact that it's really hard to keep up uh, with your nourishment. And um, one thing that you can do for yourself or you can ask your family to do for you is to um, really set in place, like fill your freezer with soups or whatever it is for after the baby's born is like setting yourself up to really stay up on those nutrients, getting, you know, your three meals a day, having snacks in between, making sure that you have a full water bottle so that you can keep um, drinking Mm -hmm. water and that you're able to, so you're not running around just like grabbing snacks and throwing them in your mouth, which by the way, we all do. There's nothing wrong with that. But, um, if there's a way for you to actually eat good meals and drink soups and all of those things, then I do think that it helps. 
and sets you up for just like a little bit more of a um, better road of like, you know, when you're sleep deprived, when you're breastfeeding, when those days that are just a little bit more challenging with fussy babies or colicky babies, at least your body is nourished. And then also sometimes we forget to take our prenatal vitamins after um, we have the baby. And if prenatals are something that you believe in, um, then keep taking them because it will help a lot um, after the fact. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you have any tips for that, Teresa? Oof, maternal depletion is real. Um, don't do what I did, <laughs> basically, <laughs> which is I think when you have your first baby – you can really, really do this, which is wonderful. You know, the first 40 days, that book about yes. lying in with oh. your baby, staying in bed, being so nourished good. and nurtured by your community with healthy foods and vitamins and yummy fresh made juices and smoothies. Doesn't typically happen here in America. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so didn't really happen with me. First time it did, I will say. I had so many people sending me stuff. It was amazing. Second, third, fourth baby, I was just up and at them, like within a day or two, like strap the baby on, off to do school pickups and drop-offs, and this one's got this excursion, and this one's got to have this outfit made for book week, and then we're traveling, we're getting on a plane when the baby's 10 days old. Like it was... It is so insane. My life is so insane when I look at it. I'm like, what is even going on? Chaotic. So I would say I am not the poster child for someone who thoroughly nourishes themselves after they've given birth. I heavily rely. I I am terrible at taking vitamins. Like my husband is the one that will lay out my vitamins and be like, you need to take these. Here, I brought you a green juice. Here, I made you this smoothie. Like I, we have this company, Lovewell, which is amazing. It's organic nutritional supplements. He will make me the smoothies because I'll be like, oh gosh, I'm so busy. I've got to run around. I got to pick out the kids. I got to do the thing. And he was like, why do you nourish and nurture your children so much? Make sure that they're eating healthy meals, but you don't do that for yourself. I was like, I don't know, ask every other mother in the world for that same question. Yeah. <laughs> because, and we say, and we say this in the book, you cannot pour from an empty cup. You just can't. So you have to somehow find out a way to make yourself and your health a priority. Mm-hmm. That's so true. And, you know, even um, at the very beginning of your breastfeeding journey, like, you know, you're pregnant. If any of you moms are out there right now and you're wanting to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you're wondering like, how's it going to be for me? And am I going to be able to breastfeed? And, you know, one of my biggest, um, one of my biggest pieces of advice is just to really set yourself up, um, in the best way possible by, you know, reading about breastfeeding and talk to other mothers about it. And, um, you know, we talk about it in our book, but um, I actually took a breastfeeding class, which it was at um, this mm-hmm. like community store in our town. And there was a, a lactation consultant that taught a breastfeeding class. And she just, it was to moms and to dads. And she talked about how yeah. your partner can be a helper. They can bring you 
NFTs and they can set the pillows up, you know, nicely underneath your arm. Be hydrated. Keep you hydrated, like bringing you a snack and just gave you some like key points to say, um, these are things you should always keep a bar in your car or like whatever it is. Like you want to just make sure you stay up on your own health because exactly like Teresa said, you just can't pour from an empty cup. And then also breastfeeding classes can also just give you those tips, those really wonderful tips about latches and um, reading breastfeeding books, which we, you know, always talk about different books that we've read that we love. Yes. One of our favorites is The Womanly Art of Breastfeeding mm-hmm. by Lalisha League. We talk about that a lot in our book. And I, and you're right, Sarah, like in, information and support is key because it is, mm-hmm. it's such a natural and beautiful thing. But if we don't have a group of people around us encouraging us and supporting us and I had a nurse the very first time I ever breastfed fed I had this beautiful nurse sit with me and she was watching me pin I was squeezing my nipple and trying to sort of shove it in the baby's mouth mm-hmm. she was like no that's not how we do it like let me sit with you and I'm gonna she's like she asked for my consent first she's like can I grab your nipple can I help you and I was like please please I really need to know what I'm doing I read all the books I feel like I know what a good latch is meant to feel like but I just haven't quite Mm -hmm. got it yet and she squeezed my nipple like a flat pancake grabbed (laughs) the back of my tiny little baby's neck and like shoved my baby on my boob so fast (laughs) and hard that he just was like (gasps) he took this big open like mouth gasp and the nipple went straight into the back of his throat and she was like do you feel that do you feel what that feels like that is the proper latch and then she showed me I was looking down and she showed me how my whole areola was inside the baby's mouth and taught me how to his mouth on yeah on yeah in Bodhi's mouth so the entire areola had disappeared inside the mouth and I think I thought that just the nipple had to be in, just the nipple part. And she was like, no, they can't. And that's why you get cracked nipples often because the latch just isn't deep enough. So then she also showed me how to uncurl the baby's lips around the areola so that it just is much more comfortable for your breast and the baby's able to get that real sucking, hard sucking motion. That's right. And that was just this beautiful nurse who I had around me So feel free to, if you're in a hospital or if you're with your midwife or with your friends who've done it before, say like, hey, can you take a look at what's happening here? And a lactation consultant is always the very best at this. What is going on with this latch? Why does it feel Mm -hmm. pinchy? Why does it feel like my nipples are about to explode? Like, What's going on? And usually it's some small adjustments. And then your body, like riding a bike, your body gets used to the sensation and the feeling so that you know exactly how to latch that baby every time. Yeah, I mean, cause, because it sh- really shouldn't feel pinchy at all. And the uncurling of the lips was something I learned with Wyatt as well. And he had a little bit more of a pinch where you could kind of see it on the side of his cheek. And so I would actually take him off the latch and then try it again and really try to get that good latch in there so that I didn't have a cracked nipple. But I only learned that because I had gone to a class because I had seen other women 
breastfeeding, I think it's also like there's this whole thing where it's so, oh, it's taboo to breastfeed in public. But then like that's the whole thing about being part of a community. And when you see somebody breastfeeding, then you're like, oh, okay, so that's how you do it or that's what it looks like. I remember there were I was like one of the first people in my friend group that had a baby, but I had like kind of people outside of my friend group where I'd be like, okay, can I just, I just want to see like, how do you do it? How do you get them on? And you seem so comfortable. And, um, and a lot of times hospitals will have a lactation consultant on the floor who's a nurse. And you can ask when you're in postpartum, you can say, you know, do you guys have a lactation consultant here or somebody who can just kind of watch me get started or see if this looks okay? And like, there's just, there's these little tips that they can give you to look for where you really know that like, okay, I'm on the right track. This is really helpful. And if you're struggling, reach out to the La Leche group. Um, reach out to the nurses in the hospital, reach out to somebody in your community. There's breastfeeding groups online, DM us, like whatever it is, but you, there, you do not have to do this alone. This is not something that has to be challenging that you do in the middle of the night where you're like, I, I don't know what to do. This is too painful. This is really hard. Like there are no answers, but there's definitely people around that can help you. And, um, It's really expensive to have breastfeeding consultants like come to your home, but there's also places that you can call. There's where you can have a few tips on the phone or, you know, you can be sent a video where you can see what it looks like. So um, there's there's options out there for sure. And I wanted to read a little snippet from our book. I love that. Yes. For those of you who aren't aware, Sarah and I wrote a book. Actually, did we write two books? We Not did. really. It's one book. We rewrote sections for the Australian version and the American version because it's very different birthing in Australia than it is birthing in America. Yes. So in Australia, we have the book, The Zen Mama's Guide to Finding Your Path Through Pregnancy, Birth and Beyond. Yep. And then in America, we have The Zen Mama Guide to Finding Your Rhythm in Pregnancy, Birth and Beyond. Actually, Teresa, the one in Australia is called Zen Mamas. It's finding your path in Australia. It's finding your path and then it's finding your rhythm in America. Yeah, you're it's, yes. it's the you guide. walk the path, you find the rhythm. <laughs> yeah, in Australia you only get to be on the path. But then in America you get the rhythm, girl. You get the rhythm. Exactly. Okay, so if you want to know where <laughs> where you can find our book on Amazon. You can find it on Amazon.com. The Zen Mama Guide to Finding Your Rhythm in Pregnancy, Birth, and Beyond. So Teresa's going to read us a little piece from that. We get into so many different topics and we go deep into the breastfeeding world in our book. So pick it up wherever you get your books. Um, Okay, I'm going to read this snippet out because it's specific to Latch and I think it can be really helpful. Okay, so here's some more information on establishing the right Latch from lelicheleague.org, which is uh, lli.org. Okay. When latching on your baby, use your nipple to tickle the center of your baby's bottom lip. This will encourage him to open, or her, to open his mouth wide like he is yawning. Aim your nipple slightly towards the roof of his mouth, bringing baby to you chin first. Good latch-on checkpoints for your baby include His nose is nearly touching your breast, that is, no further away than a credit card edge. His lips are flanged, 
Am I saying that? Flanged? Flanged? How do you I'm say that word? hundred percent sure, but I, you know, we all know what you're saying. <laughs> you know what they're trying to say. <laughs> they're out, like they're uncurled. If you're watching this, mm-hmm. you'll see my lips. I'm doing it now. Um, <laughs> fish at, lips. Least, <laughs> at least half an inch. Fish lips. Is that, yeah, fish lips, exactly. Um, at least half an inch of your breast around the base of your nipple is in his mouth. If the latch is uncomfortable or painful, gently place your finger in the baby's mouth between his gums to detach him and try again. A baby who is offered the breast will suck without swallowing as he positions the nipple in his mouth and tells your breast he is ready for the milk to let down. When he begins to receive milk, you will see his jaw working all the way back to his ear. His temples will wiggle. You will also hear him swallowing quickly at first, then more slowly as his appetite is satisfied. So cute. I was picturing that as I was reading. It's so cute. And also exactly that. So I I remember when um, I was in that breastfeeding class that she was saying like, you're going to hear this sound. It's going to be like, like there's this sound, this like this open throat sound where they're like, getting the milk and they're like taking it down and that was such a clue in that everything was working properly and I was like all the, I was looking for all the little things you know to make sure that it it worked out okay um my mom sorry I got distracted because my mom can you come around my I have to breastfeed winter <clears throat> my mom's helping me with winter but I have to breastfeed her while we're finishing out up this episode sorry good let's breastfeed winter now, for people watching, it's a live on air breastfeeding example. Here we go. Now, this is breastfeeding a two-year-old child. Okay. So, <laughs> she lifts up her shirt. She And look, we, we know Winter has no issues with latching. There's no issues with latching. And there she goes. There's my boob. But there she is. She's- and I want to talk about this a little bit. Let's talk about this a little bit. Okay, so... When I first was pregnant, I was told to read all the books that um, said, oh, well, look at the clock and every three hours you should nurse, make sure that you're nursing every three hours, blah, blah, blah. And there was such a schedule to it. But when I uh, tried doing that, it didn't work for me. And then I read a little bit more into it. And uh, what really resonated with me was the more – you nurse, the more milk you produce. And so I started leaning into this idea of uh, nursing on demand. You're a brand new mummy and you've got all the hormones flowing. And just to really observe your child and watch their cues. And Sarah and I always say, we talk about this so much in the book, meet the needs as the needs arise. And as long as your baby is having frequent wet nappies and they're pooing frequently, you are nursing enough and you can talk more to your pediatrician about this and your lactation consultant, your midwife. That's what Sarah's doing right now. She's nursing on demand. Her baby wanted some milk and she is nursing her little girl, which is so divine. I remember that at the very beginning, I had an app, like a breastfeeding app, and I was trying to keep track of like which side the baby was on and how often I was nursing. And then, you know, after I my baby had plenty of wet diapers and dirty diapers and um, 
I felt like I was in kind of that rhythm. Then after the first couple of weeks, then I let all of that go and I just started breastfeeding on demand. And um, I did that. I definitely didn't use an an app with Esme or with Winter, um, just kind of breastfed as the baby needed it. And I think it just really depends on, I think this with everything in pregnancy and with um, being a parent, I think it just depends on what tools or what avenue that you choose that makes you feel the most comfortable. And if you're a person who really needs a schedule and you need to know, okay, I'm going to do this this time, this time, and this time, um, or if you need a little less pressure of having a schedule, I think you just got to do what works for you because um, it's just different for every person. And uh, there's like a lot of people that really need structure and that, that feels safe for them. And that feels the most like um, the most right for their, you know, day, if they're working a job that's nine to five and they need to know that they're like breastfeeding and then pumping and then breastfeeding and pumping or, um, breastfeeding in the morning and then doing pumping and then, you know, breastfeeding in the evening when they get home, like whatever it is, um, you got to do what works for you. And for me, I needed to not focus on it so much and just let my babies feed on demand. And you don't have to worry about overfeeding either yeah. is what we say in the in the book like you don't have to worry about overfeeding you do have to worry about underfeeding a breastfed baby yes yes with a breastfed baby it's true it's about how many wet diapers they're having or nappies as we would say down under but you're right <laughs> like it just it it does depend on your way and what you've got going on i have a girl for one of my best friends was like, you need to read uh, How to Have a Baby. I can't remember the name of the book, but it was basically a book where it was like, have your baby sleep 12 hours by 12 weeks. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds amazing. Like, woo, started reading it, but it was very scheduled. Everything was scheduled to a T. And she was my friend that was like, I get your whole like, we just nurse whenever and put the baby to sleep whenever and the baby sleeps in the car seat and the baby sleeps in the pram and it's just on the go and it's this attachment theory. She was like, I get that. It does not work for me. She was like, I need to have my baby yeah. sleeping through the night. I, She's like, I cannot function as a human being unless I can get a little bit of my life back and be much more scheduled and I know exactly what it is that I'm doing. And she was running a business at the time and I was like, that is so cool. But she was my girlfriend who we'd have to meet at specific times during the day. Like we could only meet from 11 till 12. And then she would look at the time and be like, oh my God, I've got to (laughs) go. I've got to get the baby down, Um, which is amazing. But it worked for her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so one of the ways that you can tell if your baby is getting enough breast milk is obviously their baby poos and wees. So I just want to read this out from our book. Sarah and I wrote this. Um, A rule of thumb pre-milk coming in is that baby should have one wet nappy or diaper on the first day of life, two wet nappies on the second day of life, three wet nappies on the third day of life, and so on until your milk is in. Post-milk being in, your baby should have at least five wet nappies daily Poopies follow the same pre-milk ratio. Once mama's milk is in, poop should increase to a minimum of three bowel movements a day. And of course, you'll notice 
that those baby poos are a different colour when the milk comes in. It goes from that black sticky tar poo to like that sort of sweet smelling yellowy mustard color yeah which is so funny I saw a lot of that this morning um I'm actually staying at my stepson's mum's house Frankie and her husband Zach and they have much like Sarah's dog who enjoys poo-poo nappies um that happened when I was staying with Sarah Sarah's dog found my daughter's pooey nappy in the bin and decided to demolish it like eat every little particle of this nappy and it was spread all over the floor it was so foul same thing happened today I'm like downstairs I'm like what's that smell both of Frankie's dogs have come in ripped the pooey diaper out of the bin and just annihilate it like wet mustard poo on their snouts like it's ripped into pieces oh my god so so foul and prairie was like poo 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 was like yeah that's uh poo poo um not good not good oh my goodness um one of the things I realized I didn't touch upon in that question about tandem nursing is obviously I've done it now with every child um There is one thing that happens, and I'm sure there are women listening right now. If you are pushing through breastfeeding when you're pregnant, I don't know if that happened to you guys, but I really had this sort of nipple aversion feeling where I just was crawling out of my skin. It was such a strange feeling. My toddler would latch on, and it started from about 16 weeks pregnant. And I think it got better by my third trimester where I would feel horrible. Like I'd get goosebumps. I would just hate the feeling of them nursing. But I also didn't want to wean them in that energy because I knew that this was just a part of breastfeeding during pregnancy for a lot of women and that you'd get this nipple aversion. So I knew if I could just push through, it would dissipate. And I didn't want to just abruptly wean them and not let them come to their organic end. So it was a bit of a grit your teeth and bear it. Um, There were certain things that helped like putting music on or limiting the nursing time with the babe. And at that time, I was probably only nursing two, I would say three to four times a day maximum. So it didn't happen a lot, but I would also just sort of distract myself. Um, But that was a very real thing. And some babies will actually, or your toddlers will actually wean when you're pregnant because right around that same time, around 16 weeks, the milk taste changes. And a lot of people say that, you know, it gets this metallic taste to the milk and some children will not like it. They will not like the taste of the breast milk and they will wean themselves during pregnancy, which can be disheartening, but it also can be a blessing in disguise for those who don't want to carry on nursing throughout the full pregnancy. Yeah, I actually experienced um, nipple aversion when I was pregnant, when I was uh, breastfeeding my second child. And I think that was just because that one was just a little bit more like nonstop and a little aggressive. And, um, <laughs> And she would pinch my other nipple, 
while breastfeeding. And I don't know. I mean, all my babies have done that. So it must be a way. It must be some sort of stimulation to help get the milk going because she will pinch it and hold it. And it's kind of like her lovey instead of like holding on to a lovey. (laughs) She's like holding on to my nipple. And Winter's doing it too. tweaking it. Yes. And it drove me crazy with my second. Um, And I think maybe because I had been breastfeeding her for three years. Like, and it just... I had the nipple aversion where I would just get like, oh, I just can't. I just can't stand Mm. it. It was like driving me nuts. Um, And I felt bad that it was at that place and like there was guilt around it because I was like, oh, like why am I feeling this way? But it's totally normal to have that feeling. And and you also have to like do what's best for you. And if it's healthiest for you to be all done because it's just something that you can't stand (laughs) – that's okay. I mean, when I was finally yes. done, I was like, yes, like I have my body back, you know, you. my boobs are mine. One day. Yeah. <laughs> it felt so great to have that time in my pregnancy to just not have the pulling on on my boobs or the pinching of my nipples and all of that stuff. I was just The like, pinching of the nipple, the tweaking, the like, Wee! Bodhi was such a tweaker and then I did not let the second and third kids. Uh. I was like, nope, absolutely not. Like, we are not doing that. You can play I with tried. my necklace. So then they would they would fiddle with my neck. This necklace in particular has got lots of dangly things on it, so they would fiddle with that. But Prairie just recently has been going in for the the tweak. But it's not just like a little fiddle. It's like a full hardcore pinch of my nipple. Like a, <laughs> it's it's unbelievably painful. So obviously, I don't let her do that. Um, and then just to wrap up, uh, I think we should just touch upon this too. Sometimes breastfeeding is not an option. Sometimes your baby may be tongue-tied and they have issues or they have a lazy suck or maybe the mother's on medication and can't breastfeed, which is what happened with my mum. Or sometimes you choose for mental health reasons to not breastfeed and that is absolutely fine. It is up to every single person to figure out how they want to feed their baby. We always say fed is best. Um, Have all the information, you have the support and you can choose however you want to feed your baby is the way your baby should be fed. Um, That's right. So we want to put that out there as well. There's so many different kinds of bottles too. And um, there's this amazing machine that you can register for. I forget what it's called exactly. It's like a, it looks like a baby cappuccino machine, but it's for, um, it's for formula and it like, it does everything to where you just press a button (gasps) and which is amazing. Yeah. I feel like it's called like the Breeze. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I think I saw an ad for it on Instagram. I actually saw it at this baby list activation. I love baby list because it just has so many great, it's like one place that you can go for so many things. Um, and I saw the Breeze, I think it's called the Breeze. Sorry if I'm getting that wrong. Um, but anyway, I saw it there and I was like, oh, this is genius. But there's so many different kinds of bottles. And I remember that there's this one, um, I can't even remember the name of it actually, so I'm not even going to say it. Um, but there's this one bottle where the nipple, they said to go with the preemie nipple because it's like a little bit slower. If you're wanting to breastfeed, do the preemie nipple, which kind of helps slow things down in the form of breastfeeding. But otherwise you can use nipple one if you're not wanting to breastfeed um, or if you're pumping and putting milk into the bottle. Um, but yeah, I mean, I recently I met this girl um, 
who had her baby and like she was asking me she said something about breastfeeding and I was like oh yeah and she was like oh I didn't I didn't breastfeed I just decided to do formula right away and that was just like what felt good for me and I was like good for you good for you and also you know like she that's just what felt the most comfortable for her that's what she Mm -hmm. needed for her baby and her body but she said that you know she gets a lot of there's a lot of people that are judgmental for that and it just that's also really bums me out like it's just you gotta do what's right for you too many judges in this space too much judgment in this space absolutely who are we to judge other people it's their own life their own choices their own way with parenting and their babies and everyone's trying to figure it out the judgment and the stigma oh it's gotta go that's something that we talk about a lot in our book is that it's it's so different for every person and the way that we Mm -hmm. learned were through listening to so many different kinds of stories birth stories breastfeeding journeys parenting stories reading different kinds of parenting books like i remember Mm -hmm. reading this book called bringing up bb which is like this whole french way of parenting and then this other book called like um oh my gosh what was it called um uh, oh, it's in our – I talk about it in our book. I just forgot the name of it. Anyway, so I, I remember reading this book called Bringing Up Baby and then reading other preg- uh, parenting books and being like, wow, those are totally different ways to parent. But also it's fascinating to read what works for some people and kind of take what you're like, okay, this feels aligned with how I yes. want to parent. And this feels aligned 100%. with – you know, what feels like my instincts. And so I'm going to try that out, you know? I love that. Treating it like a smorgasbord, like a little from here, a little from there. Right. Instead of the judgment, we're just like, you know, taking in information and being like, okay, that works for that person. Great. This works for me. This is, you know, this is what feels good. Yes. And everyone will find their flow. Everyone will find their way. Um, And if you're feeling low or or just like out of sorts, they always reach out, always reach out. Like one of the best tools that I had was exactly what Sarah said. I went to a breastfeeding support class after the the baby was born and it was donation only. So you can find them in your local city and you can talk about like what formula are people using or like how do I pump? How do I even use a breast pump? There are certain centers that you can go to and get donated breast milk. If you don't want to breastfeed, you can't breastfeed, you have low milk supply, whatever it is, you make the decision not to breastfeed, but you still want breast milk for your baby. There are so many milk banks out there where the donor mothers have all been screened. There are options for you. Um, One of the greatest formulas I keep hearing about is um, a ger- actually a German formula. It's called Holle or Holle, Holle. I don't know how. I know. I always call it Holly, but I don't know. Holly organic formula and the ingredients of the formula, they're closest to mama's own milk, which is great. And you can either get the goat version or dairy cow version. Um, so that's one that we recommend a lot. We talk about that in our book. But yes, one one of the things that I reached out to, like in the beginning times, I'd say two weeks in, was I went to this breastfeeding support class and there were so many women. There was 40 of us and we were all sitting on these exercise balls and, you know, burping and breastfeeding these little newborns. And we we're all just like thrown in the deep end, like, here's your newborn baby, figure it out. Um, yeah. And we were there to support each other. And this lactation consultant 
walked around from woman to woman and would help like position them better, um, would offer up breastfeeding support pillows, which are really helpful. And I loved um, my breast fan, uh, my breast friend. Why can't I say that? My breast friend friend. (laughs) is the support pillow that I use. My breast friend, it's like a tongue twister. Say it 10 times really fast in a row. Um, My breast friend. Um, But yeah, so there are so many resources for you. Um, Even just chatting to friends, I feel like really helps. And um, and there you go. Thank you guys so much for asking so many questions about breastfeeding, about tandem breastfeeding. Um, I'm sure we'll have many more breastfeeding episodes. We'd love to bring a lactation consultant onto the show um, at some point mm-hmm. and discuss um, breastfeeding. I also am friends with this amazing nurse who um, is part of that uh, movie, The Milky Way, and um, and there's just there's just so many different um, ways to learn about breastfeeding. And so um, we'll continue this conversation. But thank you guys so much for joining us today. And um, you can find our book on Amazon. It'll also be the link is in the show notes. So if you just scroll down here in the show notes, um, you can click on that link Mm -hmm. and it'll take you directly to our book. And if you like listening to our voices, you can hear us on the audiobook version where we throw in a few extra little stories and have a bit of a giggle. So that's really fun too. You can get that wherever you get your audio books. You have been listening to The Mother Days. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please rate. Oh, thank you. Please rate and review and tell your friends. Share this episode with all of your mom friends or people who you think will need it or will appreciate it. And um, we appreciate it so much. And you guys are awesome. Keep sending us your questions and comments. You guys are the best, Daisies. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.